You are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable. The most audible. Hold the applause. Welcome to Anything is Potable. The Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packer, professional sports fan. Joined, almost as always, by Celtics beat reporter, the kid himself, the god, the legend. He's got a red face. He's been at the beach all day. He just watched a uh, Celtics basketball game that was not great, but the Celtics did win, pulled out a win, 122-119 to against the Orlando Magic in overtime. Jay, what do we take away from this game when the Celtics really did not deserve to win because their defense was pretty bad? Yeah, their defense was dookie. They uh, they didn't deserve to win that game. They should not have won that game. They had so many careless turnovers in the fourth quarter. I think Jalen Brown had two air balls in a row. Tatum had a stretch where he went uh, – he had a bad air ball, I think, too. He had some ugly turnovers against double teams. Gordon Hayward was the only one who really played well, but they were letting guys like walk into three balls – it was disgusting. But then I'll tell you what, it helps to have by far the best player on the court. And Jason Tatum was that. And he took over during crunch time and scored five points in the last 40 seconds, including a easy, easy shot over Markel Fultz. That should not have been that easy. He, he got all the, the space he wanted there. So they stole one. It, it was ugly. They didn't play well. They need to play a lot better. But... Well, it's weird because I feel like they played pretty decent on offense. I mean, they did have 32 assists on 45 makes. Like, the ball movement was pretty good. It just felt like the defensive effort wasn't there. The Magic attempted 47 threes, uh, which is a lot. You know, it's a little bit padded during overtime. But, yeah, they got – basically, Magic went on an 8-0 run to uh, just walk in into wide-open threes in transition. Um Maybe down the stretch, if uh, I'm Markel Fultz and I have a wide-open look to try and tie the game, I take that three. But you know what? I'm not a professional basketball player. That was, we got to talk about that defense. They literally were begging Markel Fultz to shoot a three in a three-point game. I don't think I've ever seen that before where a team just kind of sags off a dude who's handling the ball with his team down three. That was weird, weird, weird. Yeah. And he didn't even look for a shot. No, he had he had no intention of shooting that, and they gave it to him. And they like weird handoff to Vucevic, who had twenty seven field goal attempts tonight, eleven threes. He was it wasn't great. I mean, he still had twenty six points, but Markel Fultz one Fultz messed up because he started dribbling after getting the rebound, and then called the timeout so they couldn't advance the ball. But just I know his shot's been messed up. I know he has the yips, but that was wide open. He had the like I assumed that was going to be another just kind of. Uh, Celtics defensive mistake but he just didn't take it at all and then uh, Vucevic ends up with a very contested three but Markel Fultz was kind of getting bullied he, he showed some things today like he definitely um, is a player in this league he had 16 points but in terms of him guarding Tatum Tatum abused him for a number of different times and it's just not a good look for him to just not take the game time shot yeah and I think that that was it was just weird I I, I don't think I've ever seen defense like that I do think that the way Tatum took over down the stretch, like that's kind of who they need to be. They need him to be the best player on the court. And he, he blocked Terrence Ross's shot at the end of regulation. He scored a whole bunch of times. Down Five the points of, in the final 40 seconds. Yeah, and then a bunch more in overtime. So 
he he just took over. Um, one thing I noticed the last play of regulation, Kemba Walker didn't even think about making a move. He was like, I'm, I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to throw it to Jason Tatum. We're going to find him. This is his time. And I think we, we've talked about it, obviously, all year long, that Kemba is sort of very willing to empower the younger players on the team. But to see it like that in a, a, a two-point game right at the end where he, he didn't even look at the basket. He, he decided that whole possession – he was going to feed Tatum. It, it's really striking sometimes how willing Kemba is to take a back seat when when he's always used to being the star, the all-star, the go-to guy. But now he's like, you know what? Go to work, JT. And, well, and Tatum well, did. Two things there. Tatum had a faults on him, and he showed that he could abuse him and like clearly was the better matchup there. But Kemba did not have a good game whatsoever tonight. He was one for nine. Uh, 0 for 5 from 3, made a lot of mistakes defensively. Um, he actually ended up not playing in the overtime because he had hit his 32-minute limit. But it was it was cool to see, I guess, Kemba giving the ball to Tatum. Tatum's clearly who you want to have in the ball that situation. But Kemba just wasn't wasn't great uh, in this game. I don't know if it's, like, concerning. I don't know if it's a specific matchup. But, I mean, he looked physically okay, but not a shooting 11% from the field is not great. Not not ideal. <laughs> Certainly not ideal. Uh, yeah, he wasn't good. He wasn't good. He got blocked on a layup attempt. I believe was it was it Fultz who got him from behind. Yeah. Um, he had a bunch of wide open shots that he just missed that he normally won't miss. But yeah, he 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 did make that huge huge tip out to Tatum when the Celtics were down five in the final minute. That was a a big big hustle play to tip it out to Tatum get get another look at three. Tatum knocked it down and the Celtics won from there. It was it really the Celtics really did not deserve to win that game. Like they were they were not good. They did have some good passing in in the first half, though. There there were definitely some 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 sequences that were pleasing visually. Um but, <laughs> but their defense. you describe it so eloquently. I mean, you have to give Gordon Hayward some credit too. 31 points tonight. He was 12 of 18. He was great. Two of five from deep. He had a huge chase down block uh, that kind of right before Tatum scored those four, uh, five points that pretty much kept the Celtics in the game. Um, I thought he was just very good and he was aggressive. Had that he had burst. I mean, Coley said it last week or said this is the kind of Utah Hayward, but he definitely seems to have a way more bounce um, and was more aggressive tonight. I don't know if that was just matchup based, but it seems to be um, like that is what the the Celtics need. Like they play much better when he is being aggressive. He got some – he was the, a little bit different Brad rotation tonight where uh, Hayward was the first sub, uh, and then he came back and was kind of riding with Smart and the rest of the second unit and was given that kind of opportunity to cook. And it's the second time in the bubble where he's seen Hayward go with the kind of second unit and just be the guy, um, and he's done very well with it. And so I think that's a good development if you're a Celtics fan. It's that he's going to be – I mean, on a night when Kemba's not shooting well, you still have other guys you can turn to, and tonight it happened to be Hayward. Yeah, and I think the the stretch at the end of the first quarter when he had a two-for-one, the, the Magic tried to get a two-for-one, went a little bit early. Hayward comes back the other way, gets a quick, quick dunk, and then hits a step-back three to end the quarter. So that was – I mean, that was a really, really impressive stretch that, that ended up mattering, you know, in, in the end because it, 
Nuggets. The Celtics, you know, the Raptors game, they played so well, but they screwed up a, a couple of end of quarter sequences. That was like the picture perfect end to the first quarter. And t- t- I mean, Hayward was just, he beat Vucevic a few times. When, when he, when he can get it going downhill, like he had it going, um, it really opens things up for the Celtics because he, he does always make the right decision on those drives. And then the other, the other part of their offense that I thought was at least mildly encouraging was Jason Tatum. I, I think he's, he's put a more of an onus on himself to be a playmaker in the bubble. I, I think he's, he's not like a genius level passer by any stretch of the imagination, but, he, but he's, he's more, more willing. willing. It, it, it definitely seems like he's been more willing. And when he breaks down the and defense, he, he draws so much attention that, that some of the passes are easy for him as long as he's looking for them. Yeah, I, I don't even think he ended up making the shot, but yeah, I remember a sequence like a crazy cross-court pass to Tice in the corner, and Tice went right back to him. It just feels like Tatum is much more looking for other people and other guys, and uh, he had six assists. Um, I think actually through three quarters, he had a career-high eight assists earlier in the bubble, so he's definitely doing uh, more things on offense. The offense looked very good. Um it's just interesting. Like, I don't know what to make of this team because the defense looks as good as it has all season on Friday night against the Raptors. And then not great tonight against the Magic with who's out Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon and Mo Bamba. And I don't know why I mentioned Mo Bamba. He doesn't really count the, those three, but just not a great Magic team. What do we like? Is this just a, a classic trap game because the Celtics played so well on Friday and they know like they're locked into the three seed? Like, what do we, what's the takeaway from this? Does there always have to be a takeaway? This is a post-game podcast. There always has to be a takeaway. Uh, the, the big takeaway, Robert Williams. Robert Williams. That That is a takeaway. Robert Williams, the backup center. He does not again. miss. Ennis Cantor did get some first-half minutes, but Williams had all the backup center minutes in the second half, the majority of them in the first half. And, again, he was pretty good. He's a well-known dunker. Well-known dunker. <laughs> that man. And – he he's become a little less jumpy on the defensive end, which is probably a good thing. He is he has actually not bit on a few pump fakes, which is very 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 rare for him. So I, yeah. I think he, he's given them solid minutes and kind of changed the dynamic of that second unit a little bit. Yeah, and you can see uh, him and Smart come in uh, as the first bench. First guy's coming off the bench, and you know Marcus is going to look for to throw a lob to him. He got two dunks in a row. He's been very solid. Um, I thought it was interesting that Cantor still got some some time. Grant Williams has been buried. Grant Williams is a persona non grata on the Celtics. Buried. Just Grant zero, Williams. Zero minutes. He got a, a – Semi Ojale still got 12 minutes. Like, clearly he's, like, up with the rotation. Uh, I know Celtics fans were calling out for Grant, calling out for Romeo, especially when the team was struggling. But it was a bit of a shorter rotation tonight for uh, Brad, and it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of uses the next two games. Um, I would imagine uh, – the one like one of these two games that no like the starters are probably not going to play. Um, I would imagine I don't know which one of them because these the game, games are essentially have become meaningless for the Celtics. You just want to get through them healthy, and I guess it's like getting Kemba Walker back up to the strength. But um, it's interesting that Williams Time Lord has basically done what he can to kind of institute himself into the rotation. But for some reason, Grant is just uh, nope. I don't know what he did. Maybe insulted Brad's uh, integrity. Uh, but he is not the best Grant Williams clip tonight was uh, at the end of halftime, him going up to try and high five people and just getting 
no love and high, having to high five himself. That I, was the, I the feel like that happens to Grant pretty frequently. Like, I'm the one wants to high five Grant. He's the he's the uh, nerd on the team. <laughs> Brad doesn't like nerds, apparently. Brad, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, Grant Williams has fallen behind Shimmy Ojale. They haven't used Grant much as a small ball center option while in the bubble. Grant, like for most of the season, he was in the rotation. No mas. No mas. Now, I, and, I, I, I do wonder, like... I was going to say, maybe it's matchup-based, like, but I just don't know why. Like, it feels like if you're going to go to a smaller guy who can guard some wings and is bigger, Brad's going to go with Shemi Ojale. Um Shemi, like, continues to be pretty aggressive with his shooting. I don't know if that's the best thing in the world, but he knocked down a three tonight. Uh, he's but, a decent shooter. Shemi Ojale he's the, is a decent shooter. Shooting what nine for twenty from three in the bubble so far, so it's a just basically, a tick under fifty percent. Basically, Gary Trent. I mean, no one's like Gary Trent unless they're T.J. Warren, but like <laughs> that is true. Yeah, G- Gary Trent is on another level. Shimmy, not quite at the Gary Trent level, but he's he's been shooting the ball pretty well. And Shimmy has reached a point where if he's open, you kind of expect it to go in. But Which that's is good. a very different point than where he used to be. Many if he's ago. open, you know he's taking it, which is like it's good for spacing the floor. I mean, some guy like you have to at least like honor that. And yeah, he if he has an open shot, you think it's going to be knocked down. So I don't like necessarily. I know a lot of people or fans are like want Grant and want Romeo. I don't know if this was necessarily the best game for them. Uh, I thought like Romeo seems is much more of a smaller guy. He's kind of a wing guard combo. I don't know whose minutes you're going to take away. I thought Brad Wanamaker actually had a pretty solid game um, attacking the rim. I don't know if you take his minutes away. And Shemi's playing decently. I don't know what much – like Grant is a, a solid player, but he's just not the three-point shooter that Shemi is. And so I don't know if he's really going to get the minutes. But yeah, it's, this it's is the – go for it. Oh, sorry, sorry for interrupting, my G. <laughs> Uh, it, it's interesting because I do think Grant has more to his game than Shemi. Like his, his IQ is better. He's a better passer. He's better at a lot of things than Shemi. But Shemi being at least a passable shooter, that seems like like the Celtics coaching staff considers that a big deal. And I do think like Shemi's a little quicker on the perimeter with his feet than Grant is, but. Like Grant to me just has a, a higher IQ, higher feel for the game, and does does a lot of the the little things that many guys don't. But Shemi being a passable three point shooter is actually that's an important thing. Like to have somebody on the court that the defense at least needs to pretend to guard, which Shemi like he's become that, and and I think that's a credit to him. But it it it's it's still to me an interesting decision. Um, and I, I don't even know if I disagree with it that they're going with Shemi over Grant, but it's it's definitely very notable that that Shemi came back into the bubble and has been above Grant on on their board, the depth chart. It's interesting because Shemi played like a, a lot of minutes with Time Lord on the court. They both kind of played that kind of bench rotation. If you put Time Lord on the court, you're gonna have to have someone like a the most capable shooters out there. You can't put. I would. Is it mean to classify Grant as a non-shooter at this point? Like, you can you put both Williams guys on the court at the same time, or does your offense just take that much of a hit? Is it mean to classify him as a non-shooter? What's he shooting? Twenty-four percent. 
I no, mean, I play. Not, that, is, that, is, that is very, very obvious. He is as okay, Mr. Impartial Journalist. Guy. He is as non-shooter as non-shooters get. He might he might become a shooter at some point. He ain't it now. So, that, I mean, no, that's not mean. That ain't mean. That's that's about as nice as you could put it right there. Same. I'm a nice guy. I like Grant. I play Catan with the man. I don't want to kick him while he's down. But, you know, the impartial journalist of the podcast weighed in and said officially – not mean to call Grant Williams a, a non-shooter, but I think if you're going to get increased minutes from – if you're going to have a backup center in the game who's not tight, you can't really have a, a power forward in there who also can't shoot. And so maybe Grant at the five is his only op- like opportunity to get in the game if you're going to do some real small ball lineups. But against a team like the Magic when they're playing Vucevic, you're just – you're not going to go small at the five. And so, you know what, Grant's not really going to happen. I like that this – podcast in which uh, many things happened has turned into the majority of his uh, just discussing Grant Williams who did not play for a minute that's the kind of analysis you get here on anything is potable that, that we did veer this into a strange strange place I, I don't know how we got here but here we are here, here we, we are. are all right before we unload the rest of the notes for the game we're about to hear from our uh, good friends at Indochino I don't know where to go from there. I think we've already like led into the junkiness. But I, like, let's hear your notes, Jay. Anything we haven't talked about? Uh, let me. See. Oh, the Marcus Smart interception. Whew. That was that was an impressive, impressive play. One of the few moments that where the Celtics defense actually did something good, um, and it reminded me. I once. Uh, I'm, I, this is how I remember the story. I think this is how it went. But I once asked Marcus Smart if he played football. And he said he he did when he was young. But it was too hot for him. He he couldn't <laughs> ha- literally could not handle the heat. He did not want to be out pat, in pads outside. Football was just too hot for him. He wasn't, wasn't tough enough to handle the football heat. Which is wild. Another thing is that Marcus Smart tends to play better after like getting hit or like receiving contact. So I can't imagine repeated contact to Marcus Smart, just the rage that would be brewing inside him. I'm it's probably better for society that Marcus Smart didn't play football, just because I don't know what would have happened to people he played against if he was just continually that upset. Another great Marcus Smart moment from tonight in overtime, about twenty-two seconds left on the shot clock, where the Celtics are trying to milk clock. They are up. And just takes one of the most ill-advised threes, and they're very lucky that Daniel Tice what uh, got was that? the with, with 45 seconds left, they still when had like 17 on the shot clock. Up that was it was such Marcus Smart. But then another great Marcus Smart possession. Uh he like coming out of the overtime, uh, they basically call the post a play for him, and he gets a great look uh from a feed from Gordon Hayward. He misses it, and then it feels like he wants to redeem himself. Tells everyone to clear out, calls his own number for a post-up, misses the post-up short, uh, is able to steal the ball back from Vucevic and then draw the foul. Uh, it was just some classic Marcus stuff, Marcus Smart stuff, too. If we're going along Marcus Smart's things, another great uh, – he had a crazy pass to – I think it was Ojale, um when they were really whipping the ball around. Um, a kind of crazy sidewinder pass. Uh, no, it was, I think it was Wanamaker for a layup. It was but, Wanamaker. Hey, yo, fellas, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? The beaches are opening, the sun is shining, and the bushes must be tamed. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. 
let me tell you, boys, you need to look good. You need to be Manscaped. And Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. That Perfect Package kit comes with the Essential Lawn Mower, which is waterproof, a cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formations. Formations? Formulations? Wow, they got formations and formulations at Manscaped to round out your routine. It's the best trimmer on the market if you need a chest shave, and it has skin-safe technology to reduce incidents and accidents, which we do not want. And so you can adjust settings. You can use the crop cleanser um, to keep your hair and skin healthy. It's an all-in-one formula, and you'll have all of this in the Manscaped uh, 3.0 package. So right now, if you want to get 20% off and free shipping, you can use the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts, a shed travel bag, which is a $39 value and and folks, not or, the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. These are free gifts, folks. You just don't come across this every day. So if you want to do that, go to manscaped.com today and use promo code THEATHLETIC. Get Manscaped for the summer. Look good. Marcus Smart just had himself a classic night while only scoring eight points. And, we haven't but he had nine about, assists. We haven't even talked about my favorite Marcus Smart moment of the night. Which is when the Celtics threw on like some sort of full court press and Orlando, the shot clock got down to 15. It was absolutely should have been an eight second violation. Smart just stopped playing. He decided (laughs) he was he was done with the possession. It should have been a violation. He spent the rest of the possession bitching to the officials while Orlando went and scored. So that was that was interesting. Interesting decision to just totally call it done. That encapsulates the Celtics' approach to tonight's game. It didn't feel like they were very locked in. Um, and so taking fifth, the last 15 seconds of a possession off because you know you're right about that call. Oh, um, he was definitely right. But Oh, he was absolutely right. He was a man right. of principle. He was a man <laughs> yeah. of principle. You have to stand up for what you believe in, and he believes in the eight-second rule. Uh, but that was – he just – just what a what a night for Marcus Smart. Just uh, continuing to impact. I don't even know if he impacted winning tonight, but he he did. He had nine assists and had that crazy uh, steal. But the focus from the Celtics tonight was not great. But they were lucky that the Magic did not make many shots. The Magic, if they like did any like, they were fifteen of forty seven from three. If they make like three more threes, if Terrence Ross scores his normal twenty five points against the Celtics instead of just eighteen. Or they don't, you know, have to play Wes Awundu for 25 minutes. Like, the Magic really should have taken this one. But Celtics are lucky to, I guess, to uh, get out of the game with a win. All These things don't matter anymore. Um, but it seems like they're going to be playing the 76ers, who uh, tonight during the game, Joel Embiid gets a uh, sprains his ankle, will not return. Scal and Perk on the broadcast uh, seemed to think he was faking it and didn't want to play anymore, which was hilarious. Uh, but this comes after Ben Simmons will be out the rest of the season. 76ers looking like a, maybe maybe the preferred team, especially when uh, Celtics can't avoid uh, T.J. Warren at this point. Can we stop talking about T.J. Warren <laughs> like he's a superstar? The man, the man single-handedly brought down the Lakers. I'll stop talking about him like a superstar when he stops playing like a superstar. I uh, 
it's you got it's no argument much. for that one. It, no, it's just too much. TJ Warren is a solid score, NBA score. He is on a run, though. I, I will say I wasn't expecting this run out of TJ Warren coming into the bubble. He has been on one. He's been riding the wave. But uh but what about what the else Sixers? Yeah, the Sixers. I mean, I, I don't think the Celtics should once Simmons was out. Once Simmons got injured, that really d- diminishes the Sixers' talent level. You know, the w- when people talked about them as a a possible problem for teams in the playoffs, it was because they had Embiid, because they had Simmons, because they had Horford, because they're big and they have a lot of really good players. When when their second most talented guy is taken out of the equation, the, and they're plugging in minutes with like Glenn Robinson the third like Thibel I like Thibel but still he can't score uh, <laughs> he can't, yeah I mean. and so n- they have all in very imperfect options and so I, as good as Joel Embiid is as scary a matchup as he is I just don't think they have enough around him to win a series against uh, a legitimate team like the Celtics with with Simmons out of the lineup. I just don't see it. Yeah, I think the Celtics are very well positioned heading into the playoffs. It seems like the Sixers are going to be their likely matchup. They seem to be, when they are locked in, playing very well, as we saw against the Raptors. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with their final two games, how they best ramp up or be prepared for that uh, August 17th date that Brad's talking about so much. But anything else you got on your notes? Uh, What did I write here? Yeah, I had the the smart pass to Wanamaker too. That was that was that was one of my notes. I uh, I really I really was impressed though that Tatum, after like really a shitty shitty stretch, just kind of decided this game is mine, and and closed out the Magic. That was that was one of those stretches where it was like, okay, I messed around for a while. This game is is still winnable and. I'm a lot better than all these other assholes, so I'm just going <laughs> to go out and win it. And he, he did it on both right. ends of the court. And so I, I think that that's why Tatum taking the leap that he took this year is so important because pl- in the playoffs, stretches like that matter so much. And obviously this, this was a relatively meaningless game against the Orlando Magic. He's not going to be posting up a defender like Markel Fultz in, deep in the playoffs in a game that matters. But when you have a guy who can dominate stretches on both ends of the court, that really, really, really matters. And and Tatum's at that level now, and he just decided that that game was theirs and went out and grabbed it. Um, that's pretty big for in the playoffs. If he, best player on the court, he if he can play that card whenever he wants to, that's going to be huge for the Celtics as they – get into the second round and play te- better teams. And who, and who can he play that card against? You know, how, how high a level can he play that card against? Like, can he go out against the Raptors and be like, look, I'm better than Kyle Lowry. I'm better than Pascal Siakam. I don't know. Can he go out there against the Bucks? No, no, because yeah, is <laughs> the best player on the court. But but can he go out there and... and but can do- he go out there and be the second best player on the court and have surrounding by Jalen Brown, who's been playing very well, and Gordon Hayward is playing very well, and Kemba Wall, like... That's the hope for beating the Bucks is that Hayward or Tatum tries to get as close to Giannis as possible, knowing it's an impossible. But then your second pieces are all just that much better than Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, 
although known demon against the Celtics, Wesley Matthews. It's that's the uh, attempt for beating the Bucks is that Tatum does his best to kind of match up with uh, Giannis, and then your secondary stars, I guess, are all still very good because Jalen Brown. We haven't really mentioned him a lot tonight, but I just he continues to be very solid. Um, he has this like little. He's, he's very co- shooting very confidently from three. Um, he's shooting a ton of threes. He's really jacking for three. Three of nine from uh, tonight. Finished with nineteen he's, points. Yeah, he's he's taken at least eight threes in five of the six games of the bubble now. So, which is what he, you want to really see. Launching. I mean, yeah, and the, I think. What's important for the Celtics too is he's taking like pretty contested ones. Like he doesn't need to be wide open to shoot threes. He hit one that was and and one. Um, that was, tonight. Deep. He, it was like yeah, twenty seven, really twenty eight feet. Yeah, and and he he seems it's kind of he's opening up the throttle of of which three pointers are acceptable to him and just kind of kind of getting in his bag a little bit. He does seem yeah. to always make from the corner. I, I didn't realize he was top five in corner percentage, as uh, I believe NBC Sports Boston put on the in a graphic today. I didn't realize he was that high, but he never seems to miss from the corner. Like there are a lot of swishes from the corner when Jalen Brown lines those it was, up. It was something like forty-eight percent from the corner, uh, but the Celtics attempted forty-three today. Jalen had nine. Tatum. Uh, took 12 threes, which I think is what you want to see. NBC Sports Boston also had the graphic is that any the Celtics are 11-0 and anytime they make more than 16 threes, um, and including their past, I guess, three wins in the bubble before this game. You just want to see them taking more threes. They only were 12 of 40 tonight, which is 30%, but normally you'd expect that to be a better number, especially if Kemba Walker's making shots. But they like that's just how they win basketball games. That is the formula is they need to be – Chucking in, so they need their top guys, their best shooters, Tatum, Walker, Hayward, and Brown, to be chucking like that. And um, it didn't necessarily only thirty percent tonight, but like that is the formula for them winning. So it's good to see Jalen taking that many shots. It's good to see Tatum taking that many shots from behind the arc. Launch them, thanks. Uh, all right, I'm. Uh, any more notes, Jay? That's all I got. All right, I'm going to go through you. these quickly because, I, Matt, we're, we're getting close to that time. I think the war on Tice might have jumped the shark. Uh, Gorman and Scal are making too many jokes about it. It's just, uh, you know, I'm all for just doing a bit over and over again and beating it into the ground. But once it goes mainstream, I don't know what to do. How are you, of all people, saying someone's beating war on Tice into the ground? I'm not a member of the establishment, Jay. I like I'm I'm the, just the small little guy throwing stones. But once you got the broadcast making joke at like what it's like five times per broadcast. I'm just saying it might have gone you, a little too you far. You have a war on the war on Tice. <laughs> I was skirmish against the war on Tice. I I think you're warring against the war on Tice. <laughs> All right. The other thing noticed tonight. I don't know if it's been talked about before, but Time Lord just not having. Uh, did not choose a message to put on the back of his jersey. Um, I just mentioned it tonight, and then it just went into a whole bunch of Time Lord jokes that you know, he missed the meeting uh, when they discovered that. It's just something I hadn't noticed before until tonight. Apparently, Tom uh, Westholm texted me, and they said he meant to tweet about it on Friday, but it was still in his draft, so give all the internet credit to that. I just thought it was interesting. No one's really asked him about it. I don't think Time Lord has spoken the entire time in the bubble, but um, I don't know. I just noticed that tonight. I'm also going to shout out um, – at one point, Celtics reporter Mark D'Amico said that this, uh, 
The Celtics are an absolute nightmare to defend when their top guys are in the type of rhythm they're in tonight. Uh, our friend Adam Himmelsbach tweeted at him, Kemba, Jalen, and Tatum are 11 for 33. And then D'Amico said, congrats on replying to my tweet like a tunnel vision fan. I don't even have to read the rest of the spots. D'Amico calling Adam Himmelsbach. D'Amico, who is a professional sports fan, works for the Celtics, calling Adam Himmelsbach a fan just made me light up. It was fantastic stuff. That was that was a classic exchange. Um, <laughs> especially, like, D'Amico's tweet was kind of wild in the, in the first place because – None of the guys were really in a rhythm. Kemba had a bad game. Tatum was had some playmaking moments, but it, it wasn't like he was lighting the world on fire. Hayward was really the only one doing doing a lot. Um, and then the other part, like they were in a close game the entire time with the Orlando Magic. D'Amico's out there like, oh yeah, the Celtics are unbeatable <laughs> when they're in a rhythm like this. So I, I enjoy I enjoyed every part of that exchange. The the tunnel tunnel vision court or tunnel fan vision was just an electric, electric response to, especially to Himmelsbach. We know he doesn't, he doesn't like reporters being. Fans. No, he hates it. That's like me calling Gary Washburn a fan. It's, it would be, it's just, it was just very entertaining. Um, the only other thing, uh, if you want to, so another Celtics reporter, if we're just talking about Celtics media, Chris Grenham from Forbes um about a couple months ago claimed he was the best eater he claims he could eat an entire pizza multiple entire pizzas uh and so tonight uh i surprised him with a domino's pizza and at halftime uh he ate seven of eight slices and jay as the requisite um kind of eater on this podcast do you think you could put down an entire domino's pizza in a halftime yeah and if i didn't do it I, I would try so hard that I puked. People know that about me. <laughs> you do. You do go push it to the edge till you puke. It's weird because I was watching him do the challenge. I did it like a periscope, and I've just be- become the guy who commentates while other people uh, eat too much. Um, but shout out to Grenham. Like I, I didn't necessarily believe him, but he did seven of eight. He finished the eighth slice like a thirty seconds into the third quarter. Then ate the lava cakes on top of it, and I got a text from him afterwards that he's feeling great. And so, you know what? Maybe I got to step up my game. I didn't think eight, eight domino slices. slices are nothing. Like, that's nothing. I didn't think I could, like, I, it was very impressive. I don't know. Like, maybe I'm just that's, not in, the, in the same league. Nothing. That's literally nothing. All right. I mean, I'm, I'm guess I'm not the, the same eater as you and uh, you and Gretham. Uh The only other thing I got is we got some, no, I, don't, I was going to say talk about t- uh, Time Lord passing, but I, I remember that play that I tweeted about, and it was it really wasn't that great. So, that's it. That's all the junk I got. You got anything else for them, Jay? I got I got no junk. No 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 more junk from me. Jay King has no junk. You heard it from here first, folks. Um, but if you enjoy watching us, uh, if you enjoy listening to us, we're going to be after every single game and then in, in the playoffs. Uh, thank you for listening to us. Please subscribe. Rate the podcast five stars. If you want to read Jay's work, go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. You can subscribe, uh, get his great coverage of the Celtics and all the great coverage of the NBA. Subscribe to the Athletic NBA show. Uh, Jay will be is on that every Monday with the Basketball Buds. That's just a great program with different shows uh, Monday through Friday. And thank you for listening to us. And thank you for listening to this episode of Everything is Potable!